Welcome to the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara. I'm here to welcome you into the world of orgasmic living by hosting experts to discuss orgasmic topics such as nutrition, spirituality, personal development, sexuality, and much more. Here, we will offer lifestyle lessons that can help you lead a fulfilling, joyous, and orgasmic lifestyle. I'm your guide, Venus O'Hara. Welcome to the 34th episode of The Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara. In this Beaver Moon episode, I'll be discussing my weight loss journey, body positivity, and veganism. I'll be sharing an erotic story called My Vegan Fetish. Then I'll be discussing the book I'm reading now, which is Living an Orgasmic Life by Janet Paylett. And finally, we'll be experiencing a guided meditation with affirmations for weight loss. But first, let's talk about my experiences with weight loss and my health transformation. I want to thank everyone who listens to this podcast. The other day I actually checked the stats and I don't really check stats very often and I was kind of surprised actually, very pleasantly surprised. I did not expect to have so many listeners, so a massive hello and thank you to everyone who's listening to this. I think it's kind of a strange sensation to imagine someone's actually listening, so I'm just in my house speaking to the wall kind of thing and um, they say dance like no one's watching I kind of speak I kind of speak like no one's listening so I think on this podcast I've definitely revealed things that I haven't revealed anywhere else so yeah thank you so much for being here anyway this month is international vegan month I wanted to talk a little bit about um, my weight loss journey. If you've been following me and listening since the beginning, I may have mentioned several times that I had gained weight after being sick. If you haven't listened to that, well, let me just recap very briefly. I was very sick in, um, in February 2021. I was in hospital for about 10 days. I had pneumonia and COVID and it was one of the biggest um, how would I say it was a very big life lesson. I've never been in hospital before and to be in hospital for 10 days on a drip was very humbling and it just really put, put things into perspective. And I also had anemia when I was there because prior to going into hospital, I'd been at home and self-isolating and I was so weak. I didn't eat anything and I just had no strength and just the coughing was just incessant. I just couldn't do anything. I was, really, I was exhausted. I couldn't even sleep. So anyway, when um, the doctors and nurses found out I was vegan, they were just saying, oh, you're, you'll have to do blood tests every three months. Um, and I just really strongly, I was obviously in their hands at that time, very vulnerable time. And I'm very grateful for all the help I, I received. But at the same time, I think that um, um, the medical industry, pharmaceutical industry knows how to administer drugs. They don't really know much about nutrition. And um 
And for me, I, I was just, I mean, I'm usually someone who doesn't even have anything pharmaceutical in my house. I am very, I like natural living. And I think, um, you know, when you're out of balance, that's when illness can occur, when you're not sleeping right or you're not eating right or something like that, or maybe you're stressed as well. I had all, everything was unbalanced at the time when I was in hospital because I was also going through, um, I was moving. So that's one of the most stressful things in life. And it was very, very crazy. Um, but now I, I kind of came out of hospital on this mission to prove that veganism was healthy, at least for me anyway. And very soon after I was at hospital, just, I mean, at home actually getting my strength back, I started to watch lots of, um, lots of vegan documentaries and I was really kind of, um, reaffirming why I am vegan. And for me, it wasn't really about, it wasn't really an ethical choice. Um, even though the ethical, motives for veganism are do actually keep me vegan definitely and and confirm my my choice but it wasn't the main reason and I do really believe that um eating plant-based organic and local like I am doing is is the best thing ever I mean I'm in my house no animal products have been in my fridge on my plates or anything like that it just feels it just feels right for me that might not be right for you but um it's definitely how I feel I feel best anyway. So then um, when I was getting my strength back after having anemia, it was very frustrating because um, I was wor- worried thinking, am I not absorbing iron properly? Because there, there are people who, you know, eat enough iron, but as one of the plant-based doctors um, that I follow says, you're not what you eat, you are what you absorb. And that's very important because sometimes we can eat healthily and eat all of the nutrition, the nutrients and vitamins that we need, but we might not be absorbing everything. And it's really important to get blood tests. I mean, I don't think we should be just following influencers online and just, um, I think for me, I thought I knew a lot about nutrition, but it's only more recently seeing a nutritionist that, I, that I've actually learned so much more. Anyway, I was le- learning a lot about nutrition when I came out, out of hospital. I was looking for lots of vegan, um, vegan, um, vegan iron sources, and I was really going for it. And in that time, when I was trying to regain my strength, um, I was also quite weak, which meant I wasn't very mobile. So I actually gained a lot of weight. And um, when I wanted to put on my, my jeans and my trousers and all of these clothes that I'd worn, in 2019, nothing fit me. And I've, I've always had, you know, fluctuating, fluctuating weight from maybe let's say give or take five kilos here and there, but to get to the point where it's 10 kilos and things are not closing and also on my arms, which I mean, sometimes I get, I gain weight on my belly, but on my arms was like having, I mean, some of my shirts and dresses felt like I was having my blood pressure taken. It was so, they were so tight and I was, I was kind of shocked really. And so when I felt strong enough, which was two months after coming out of hospital, I went, I joined a gym. And at first, um, I, you know, it's been a long time since I'd actually worked out as well. Also because of the pandemic and gyms were closed and I was just doing, I was just walking. I wasn't doing any home workouts or anything like that. I, mean, I was living in 20 square meters during the pandemic. There wasn't much, much room for that. I was just surrounded by hundreds of sex toys. And anyway, I started to do yoga and Pilates, which is, you know, it's, people think it's light, but it is, there's a lot of, um, there is a bit of strength and flexibility involved and core strength, um, exercises. And, uh, but it was still the lightest way to start. And then I, I started to do, I started to try and incorporate a new class every week. 
as I, as I got stronger. And then I did spinning, which was got to be the most boring thing in the world. I, I remember when I was doing spinning, I just kept looking at the clock over and over and over. And we had to wear a mask. So wearing a mask and you know how much you, you, you're sweating when you're doing spinning. It was kind of disgusting and just trying to like sneakily get your nostrils above that mask. And then you get someone pointing at you and saying, hey, lift your mask up. So yeah, that was very difficult. Um, so, and I also, also thought, I just think cardio is kind of boring. So I was doing that. And then when I felt, felt a little bit stronger after about three, four months in the gym, I started going, going to body pump classes and body pump was my massive passion. Um, since, you know, before the pandemic, I just love, um, the music and body pump, if you're not familiar with it is choreographed weightlifting and it's actually, it's lightweights, but with lots of repetition. And it's so much fun. I remember the first time I went to it, um, there's like, for example, there's a warm up song that where you use all of your muscles and then there's like a, a, a leg song and then there's, um, then there's a back song. I can't remember the actual order. Yeah, there's a squat song, back song, um, and what else? Like, um, what else? And that, like, triceps, biceps, and um, shoulders. So every um, song is a muscle group. And it's so much fun. And it feels almost hypnotic because everyone in the room is doing the same exercise. And you can really, and the music's really motivational. So I absolutely loved it. And then sometimes people think that going to the gym, is, is, is like a drag and then you only feel good when you've, when you've done, when you've finished your workout. But body pump is, is different. It's, a, it's obsessive. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's like a, it's just so amazing. I mean, I used to really look forward to going to the, to the classes and I, I think I'm not the only one. I think they're called pumpers, the um, enthusiasts of body pump. And I loved it so much. They, they change the music every three months. At the end, it gets kind of boring, you know, doing it two, three times a week, but there are people who are really obsessed and do it many times a week. But then um, when the, the routines are starting to get old, then some of the instructors will incorporate some of these songs of previous routines so you, so it's not too boring and it's a big thing when's the new body pump coming out it's like a big thing it's really really yeah it's amazing um but then I started to get bored of all the classes I was doing it was all the same things and um I was increasing my weight but I found that my body I was definitely increasing my strength and flexibility but my body didn't seem to be changing in terms of volume. And at this point, I was kind of eating whatever I wanted. And I decided to take action last November. And I went to a vegan nutritionist here in Barcelona. And it has been, it was actually 23rd of November. And it's been one of the best experiences, even though I thought I knew a lot about nutrition. So he's been guiding me with a body recomposition. And... That has been, so I'm doing high protein, low carb. And the great thing about high protein, low carb is that I'm not hungry. I mean, um, I'm eating incredible food, not counting calories. And the fact that I'm having more protein just means that I'm not having, you know, small portions or getting hungry after an hour. It's the actual opposite. I feel very, very satiated and I'm enjoying my food and enjoying new things. So, so it's a great, great experience. And after, within the first month, um, well, actually, I started. I'm going to share some of my stats. I started off at 36% body fat, which is crazy for me. I mean, um, I I was always 
let's say about 28% body fat before um, the pandemic, 27, 25%, because um, I've always had a lot of abdominal fat, that's my area, I'm kind of like a skinny fat person, um, but yeah, that was very, very hard to deal with, to see 36%, and I was 70 kilos, which is like a lot for me, and um, so I was on a mission to kind of, but not just not just about the numbers on the, uh, on the scales, um, what was con- most concerning was actually the clothes. So I had a pair of black trousers that I really loved and I wore them forever. I mean, so many days, it was my most worn pair of trousers in 2018, 2019. And that was my measurement to see how much weight I was losing. So at first I couldn't close them at the end of November, but then by December I could close them, but it was uncomfortable. It wasn't comfortable enough to actually wear them, but gradually I could see um, that I was slowly starting to fit in my clothes again. And I have a black and white dress that I kept trying on as well, just to see if my arms and tits would fit inside because I was just bursting in it. I thought that I would break, uh, that the, the cloth would rip um, <laughs> the times I was testing it. But gradually it's all been, you know, wearing away slowly um, as I've been doing this diet. And every time I go to the nutritionist, I actually take a picture there, I wear the same clothes, I take a picture there and I make a video. So I've got this incredible video that I, or this album on my phone called New Body and I've been documenting the the, the, um, the progress and um, it's really, because sometimes when you're losing weight in a slow fashion it can feel very, um, this is not like a, a diet that's 10 weeks and you're going to lose loads of weight, it's not that kind of thing, it's more about changing lifestyle tips really and um and having a more, something that you can actually do long-term. Obviously now it's nearly a year. So, but I still felt that a little bit frustrated. I wanted to wanted it to go faster. And this summer I was feeling a little bit, a little bit down and um, I thought I need to shake, shake myself up and just get motivated. And I decided to actually go to the gym and, and step out of my comfort zone and do different things every day. Because I had this, this idea that doing machines in the gym was um, intimidating. Sometimes we have these ideas about things in life and then until you try them, you don't really know. And that's the lesson I've learned anyway. Um, So I had this perception of um, that going to the machine part of the gym was was where the the serious kind of bodybuilders were and I wouldn't feel, I I didn't belong there or something like that. So anyway, I went along to this part of the gym and every day I learned a different machine. And then um, one of my trainers actually gave me a routine and I had to really step out of my comfort zone. I'm doing kind of, you know, kettlebell uh, dead, um, deadlifts in front of everyone with my sticking my ass out, you know, in front of these people who are real pros. But then I just, now I just go along and do it and I don't feel um, shy anymore or self-conscious. It's been a great lesson, but the greatest lesson ever is that I have really, really accelerated my progress and now I've made a video of how my body is at the moment and it's so different and now I can fit in all into all of those clothes that I couldn't fit into before my tits are smaller my arms are smaller my ass is just getting insanely um pert and um curvy and now I can fit into all of my previous clothes and it's kind of like rediscovering old clothes is like having new clothes it's really really cool and it's just so cool I feel now um so motivated to carry on because I'm about 
two kilos off my weight now. My target weight is around 60 kilos. So I'm about around 62, 63, depending on the day at the moment. I'm not too obsessed about the overall weight because I, I'm actually increasing muscle and decreasing fat. So my body fat at the moment is 24%. So imagine I've lost 12% of body fat and I've increased my muscle and now I've got some serious biceps emerging and my thighs are just getting stronger and um, I'm walking everywhere. I haven't been on the I haven't been on public transport for nearly three years now. I walk everywhere in Barcelona. And also just being a vegan as well um, makes me more motivated to do this because I've seen films like The Game Changers and also there are lots of perceptions that you need to eat meat to form muscle, which I don't think is true. So it's not just about vanity or having a nice ass or feeling good naked, which is all of those things are fantastic. But for me, it's an extra thing about wanting to be fit as a vegan. It's an extra kind of reason to do this. And it's not just for me, it's it's for a cause kind of thing. And that's how I feel about it. But I'm really, really impressed how I have applied perseverance to my own body because I've always been a very persevering person in my life with other things. And I just, I just thought, why don't I apply this to my body? Because I've never, I've never been really, really fit in my life. I've been skinny, but never like really fit and strong. And I feel like I'm getting there slowly now. And it just feels absolutely amazing. And I would, I would advise anyone to, to start going to the gym just for the mental benefits as well. You feel so good being more, like feeling stronger. And also I can lift heavier weights now like carrying my shopping isn't a challenge anymore a guy actually I was today I was just walking down the street and I had this big um, bottle of water because I mean tap water here in Barcelona is disgusting and not many people actually drink it um but anyway I was carrying five liters of water and a guy stopped me and said you shouldn't carry so much water I was like hey this is nothing for me (laughs) I'm super strong right now but I thought it was interesting that he was concerned anyway. Um, But yeah, now it's um, nearly time to share my before and after transition. And also, how does this relate to sex? Well, um, this has actually affected my sexuality a lot, because when I um, gained the weight, I was actually in a relationship with a fantastic guy who, who thought I was desirable, whatever I looked like, whatever I weighed. And I also didn't shave my legs for seven months. And he was just, you know, he would like put his hands on my thighs and, and hairy thighs and hairy legs. And he'd be like, wow, he just loved however I was, which is an incredible situation to be in as well. You know, when you're with a partner, so I know I actually went to a body image or weight how how would I call it? Um, body positivity, weight positivity event a couple of weeks ago. And people are talking about, you know, different influences from the media about having the perfect body. But something was which was omitted from this whole event was how your partner looks upon it. Because I remember in the past, when I was living in Paris, I gained a bit of weight because of all the croissants and all the pain au chocolat and the baguettes. And I was, I had my first job just sitting on my ass all day as an intern. I wasn't running around to lecture the, to different lectures and all around the place like I was at, when I was at uni. And I gained a few pounds. Um, and the boyfriend I had at the time used to try and tell me that I shouldn't have so much butter on my baguette or I should really take care of how much I was having. And then I just didn't feel comfortable being naked in front of someone who basically fat shamed me, you know? It just felt awful. And also I have a friend who's gone through that sim- uh, recently with a boyfriend that she was having a shower and he said, whoa, you really put weight on. 
And then she just felt really vulnerable. Because I think when we're naked, we feel vulnerable. And it's something that we only share sometimes with our partners. I mean, I'm from a culture that, you know, when I go to a changing room, I'm not letting it all hang out. I mean, I go to the, when I go to the gym, I'm not going to the changing room, I'm not showering there. I, I come home and, and I think nakedness is something that I only share with people that I'm intimate with. And I've, I've definitely felt that um, I wasn't as confident when I had gained all this weight because I, I ended that relationship in July last year. And then after that, there's been this huge drought happening. But I think it's been partly because I wasn't feeling ready to be naked with someone and feeling confident just walking around. Because I, I am quite confident in my body in that sense that I, I do like nudity. I do love, I'm, I'm just basically a naturist at home. I never wear clothes until I have to go out. I, I sleep naked and I work naked and all of that. And um, even when I was gained weight, but to be in front of someone else in that state is, is something is definitely something different. Also last time I told you that I was going to download a dating app because I was speaking about dating apps last time. And I managed to download a dating app, but I haven't actually created a profile yet. <laughs> but but definitely I'm, I'm I'm more ready for intimacy thanks to the fact that I am feeling so much better in my body. I'm eating well, I'm working out, and I'm getting stronger and stronger. And I recommend strength training as well to anyone. I've I've a lot of I've read a lot of things about strength training, and I, lo- I love the fact that. It kind of, it's kind of working on metabolism, even when you're not working out. I mean, I don't really like cardio that much, to be honest. And and also I don't like counting calories. And I saw this meme um, a couple of years ago, which was about different types of asses, different booties. I mean, there was one that was the, the sofa ass, the silicon ass. You can imagine what they might look like. And then there was the yoga ass and the squats ass. And I definitely, definitely want the squats ass, a nice rounded, strong booty. Yeah. So it's definitely worth it. It's been worth everything. I mean, it's been very hard. I mean, sometimes when, when it's quite normal, when you start working out that instead of actually losing weight in the beginning, you gain weight. There's a lot of reasons why that can happen, but that happened to me. And that was really frustrating to see that my body fat and my weight increased when I started working out. But now thanks to my perseverance and just the fact that I've kept going all this time, I am slowly but surely getting towards my goals and just feeling really, really good in my body. Yeah, in my vegan body. Anyway, I'm going to be sharing a very hot story because, I mean, for me, um, getting fit and trying to lose weight, I don't do diets. I mean, the word diet just screams restriction. And for someone who's a foodie, it's just like, mm, no thanks. But unfortunately, in the way I'm eating right now, I still can be a foodie and enjoy my food and get fit at the same time. So I'll be sharing a very hot story with you called Vegan Fetish. Did you know that you can use your sexual energy to manifest the life of your dreams? It's called sex magic. I've been practicing sex magic for almost five years and it's changed my life. If you're interested in one-to-one magic mentoring with me, visit my website venusohara.org to find out more. Now it's time for this episode's erotic story, My Vegan Fetish by Venus O'Hara. table for one, please? I asked the waitress in a vegan restaurant. She looks at me with pity. 
although there's really no need for her to do so. In reality, I love having lunch on my own. And sometimes it's even preferable. I often treat myself to good food when I'm writing about sex. It has to be bursting with vitamins and natural goodness to meet my standards. I find that when I eat, my creativity peaks and inspiration flows naturally. I also consider it to be a long-term investment in my health and the quality of my work. I'm making money while I spend it. Having my iPad and keyboard with me gets me out of the house at least. I go to different places to be satiated and inspired when I'm hungry. Today, I choose a restaurant that I visited once before. I met the owner the first time I was there. I explained who I was, what I did, and how much I'd like to shoot a video there about the subject of vegan aphrodisiacs. He was very enthusiastic about the idea. The most important things in life are food and sex, he declared on the subject. I agreed wholeheartedly. I have an idea, he continued. Perhaps when we make this video, I can serve the root vegetables carved into phallic shapes. <laughs> He's nowhere to be seen today, however, and the waitress shows me to one of the only free tables. She hands me a menu. I look at all the sections, but after five minutes or so, I'm still undecided. I'm not used to having so much choice. Eventually, I settle on the green salad in quinoa. This will be followed by roasted vegetables for my main course. I take my iPad and keyboard out of my bag and I begin to write an article about oral sex. When I build up an appetite in preparation for putting food in my mouth, I let my mind wander. I imagine flicking my tongue across the tips of the owner's specially prepared vegetables. I wonder if their shape will be based on his own appendage. My earthy reverie is disrupted by the arrival of my starter. It looks delicious and I waste no time in taking my first bites. Then the waitress returns with a serving of gazpacho. I'm confused. But I didn't order this, I say. It is by compliments of the chef, she explains, and indicates the direction of the serving hatch. I look round and see the chef peering out his white overalls accentuating his olive skin. Then I recognise him. He's both owner and chef, it seems. I nod at him, and he smiles back. I must confess that gazpacho's never been a favourite of mine. Although I try a little just to be polite, I'm pleasantly surprised nonetheless. It's much better than I remembered. So much so that I gobble it down much more rapidly the nutritionists recommend for healthy, healthy digestion. Then, after the main course arrives, I can't help sighing between mouthfuls. The waitress brings me some more vegan tapas to try. Although I'm getting full, I still feel the urge to put more and more food into my mouth. The owner emerges from the kitchen and arrives at my table. Lunch is on me, he explains. I'm so happy you came back. I can tell he isn't lying. The other customers begin to look over at, at us. The fact that he's risking burning the food in the kitchen confirms his interest in me. 
He sits down briefly and discusses the different dishes that I'm enjoying. Then he returns to the kitchen, only to reappear shortly afterwards. I know that I'm receiving preferential treatment and that the other patrons might not be getting the quality and attention that they are paying for. This makes me feel powerful and essential. I continue salivating as my thighs begin to twitch. I feel the need to cross my legs beneath the table. The truth is that authentic vegan men are few and far between. I've read all the literature about how great a vegan diet is for male virility. Apparently, they stay harder, have much more stamina and taste better. Although I've yet to verify this with my own eyes, fingers and taste buds. In spite of this, I have to be honest and say that the restaurant owner is someone that I would never usually look twice at. Perhaps I'm distracted by his vegan credentials and seduced by his food. For a moment, I'm swept away again by the Mediterranean delights on my tongue and I try not to close my eyes and moan. I'm a slave to the oral sensation I'm experiencing and I'm barely in control. The owner isn't a great conversationalist, but the few things he does say when he's sitting with me really get me going. And I'm not filling his absences by continuing with my article. He takes the time to explain that his fruit and vegetables are sourced locally, that they are organic, and he takes great pains in the kitchen with their preparation. He speaks with confidence and passion, and my libido can't help but respond. When we discuss the taste of tomatoes, the throb between my thighs becomes unbearable. Service concludes, and he sits down and relaxes finally. I'm still eating. After a few minutes, I pluck up the courage and ask the all-important question. It's the one that all vegans anticipate having to answer at some point. So, I wonder aloud, where do you get your protein from? We discuss the virtues of legumes, beans and hummus while I enjoy dessert. It's some coconut and salted chocolate concoction. The mixture of sweet and savoury gets me throbbing even more. After a little more sighing, moaning and licking of my lips, I wash everything down with a refreshing cup of peppermint tea. I came to this place looking for nutrition and inspiration, and I'll leave with much more than I anticipated. Even though I'm not entirely sure if it's him or his food that turns me on so much, I know I'll be back to find out. The book I'm reading now is Living an Orgasmic Life, Healing Yourself and Awaken Your Pleasure by Janet Paylett. Well, I'm still actually reading the book I was reading in the last episode, which is Make Money While You Sleep. And so talking about that again, which is all about creating online courses and passive income revenue streams, I wanted to talk about this book, Living an Orgasmic Life, because I recently gave a speech in my Toastmasters club and I read a couple of extracts from this book. And this book really affected me profoundly. I read it in 2020, actually, 
And obviously, with the title of this podcast, Living an Orgasmic, I mean, um, The Orgasmic Lifestyle, I was naturally attracted to the title of this book, which is Living an Orgasmic Life. And I thought it would be a light read. It's not that many pages. And um, it was actually very difficult for me to read this book. It starts off very optimistic. For example, in chapter two, it says, what if I told you that no matter your age, no matter your age, the best sex of your life is ahead of you. I thought, wow, isn't that incredible? And also the story of the author was very inspiring. She was in a sexless marriage for about 25 years and had her sexual awakening at the age of 51. So I find that I found that very, very inspirational. I think many people would would agree with me. And I think sometimes we have this perception, or at least society tells us that when women are reaching the age of menopause, that it's all game over when it's actually not true at all. But then the book turned a bit very unorgasmic for me when I got to a chapter about blocks to intimacy, because this book is about not just about pleasure, but first of all, about removing shame and trauma and different types of blocks to intimacy. And this is when I first came across the concept of attachment styles. I'd never heard of this term before. And attachment styles, if you're not familiar with this term, is basically how we form our relationships. It could be friendships, it could be intimate relationships. So I came across these terms such as secure attachment, avoidant attachment, ambivalent attachment, anxious avoidant attachment. And it was all kind of influenced by childhood. And I myself as a single child-free woman, I'm definitely an avoidant attachment. I have an avoidant attachment style. And then I realized that this actually comes from my childhood. And it made me think that my, my life choices, or so I thought, were not choices at all. They were consequences. And that realization was had a very profound effect upon me. And it wasn't a nice feeling at all. It was horrible, actually. I kind of felt doomed. And also, this was in June 2020. So it was just, you know, we're still living in this uncertainty of COVID, etc. And yeah, and I've spoken to some other friends as well who, who read this book, and they found it quite challenging as well, especially if you're a survivor, if you've had, if you have some kind of sexual trauma, which I think many people do have. I know for me, I kind of buried my sexual trauma for a long time. And then when the Me Too movement started, it made me question and and face these demons again. And um, sometimes when I used to see things about sexual trauma or any kind of abuse in in the media, I always used to ignore those um, those headlines. But then when it became, it was omnipresent, it was everywhere, it kind of forced me to actually face my own demons. And it's actually helped me to overcome it, to be honest. Um, to just realize that this type of trauma, sexual trauma, is every, most people have experienced some kind of sexual trauma. And it made me feel a little bit kind of not so, I don't know what the word is, but I mean, knowing that it was more common, even though that's not a good thing at all, but it did help me to actually deal with my own um, traumas, definitely. But then uh, in the second half of the book, it does get more orgasmic and focusing on pleasure and intuition and tantra and chakras and things like that and all about self-loving practices and even though I did have a hard time reading this book I definitely recommend it and also there's a part here called The Power of Touch. I think it's an incredible incredible book for anyone who wants to 
start really enjoying their body and their orgasmic potential. Because I think in the end of the day, you cannot um, forget or, or, you know, about trauma, etc. I think we have to face those realities at some time or another, especially when we are intimate with a partner. I think um, that's a time of healing, potential healing at least. And you can do some of that healing on your own. And the more you do on your own, the better it will be, I think. And then and the more you can share yourself in a loving and healthy way with someone else and not feel any kind of ghosts from the past. So yeah, that was a very profound book to read. And I definitely recommend it if anyone is struggling with feeling pleasure or wants to accentuate their pleasure or is also who's interested in sacred sexuality or tantra or anything like that or just having an orgasmic sex life that's definitely very important so that is living an orgasmic life heal yourself and awaken your pleasure by janet paylett now it's time to slow things down as we prepare for this episode's guided affirmations meditation It's probably not a good idea to listen to this while driving or operating machinery. Instead, take a break from whatever you're doing, get comfortable, take a deep breath and enjoy.
Did you know that you can use your sexual energy to manifest the life of your dreams? It's called sex magic. I've been practicing sex magic for almost five years and it's changed my life. If you're interested in one-to-one magic mentoring with me, visit my website, venusohara.org to find out more. find out more about me and my orgasmic lifestyle, visit venusohara.org or follow me on Instagram at instagram.com slash venusohara. Make sure to search for the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara in Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks for listening. Have an orgasmic week and make sure every day is a climax.